Welcome everyone to the Space Fifth book space. That's right, yeah. I said it correctly. I'm a confident oh woman gosh. who don't need no man. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome. My name is Somerset Winters Thoreau. I have with me Dan Thoreau. Hi. No relation. And also Brock. Hi. Brock. Summer, uh, summer doesn't need Dan or I, so we'll be, we'll still be here. We'll just be quiet. We're the observing the today. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be auditing this podcast. That sounds really boring. So I think you guys should join in. All right. But not because you need us. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I, right. Exactly. So yeah. today we're, we're talking about a book called Autonomous. It's by Annalie Newitz, who is the founding editor of io9. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds right. All right. All right. We've got some wrong spoilers here from Brock. Is that what we do first? That's what I have on here. Oh, no, wait. We rate it. We yeah. Rate. Let's, let's, uh, yeah, let's talk thumbs. And a descriptor. Are we ready? I'm ready. Are, are you ready, Dan? Yeah. You ready, Brock? I am. Should we do I it on the ready. count of three? And oh, then boy. explain in order? Well, we we are audio. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about on the count of three, at the same time we all do our thumbs, you know, up or down, there's no neutral. And then right. we'll go in order and say what they are, just so that we have the joy of seeing, you know, the thumbs up or thumbs down. Okay. And then we'll share the joy audioly. Audioly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> audioly. Our hourly. Yeah, Ariel. No, no, Ariel. Yeah, I don't know. I think Brock knew the word better. All right. One, two, Two, three. three. Oh, Oh, wow. (laughs) We're not going to tell you what happened, but it was exciting. (laughs) All right. I'll go first, and then we'll do Brock, and then we'll do Dan. Okay. How's that? Look at me taking control. I love it. See that? All right. I was a thumbs down and my descriptor is robot rapey. Okay. All right, Brock, what's yours? Uh, I gave it a toxic thumbs up. Ooh. I give it a consensual thumbs down. (laughs) Did you just say that because of what I said? Yes. (laughs) I hadn't actually come up with a descriptor. I forgot the descriptor. (laughs) All right. Well, now we're moving on to wrong spoilers. Take it away, Rock. Okay. Okay. Uh, So I got in touch with uh, Annalie Newitz's uh, garbage collector. (laughs) <laughs> and I was able to obtain some alternate titles. You really went to some effort for this, oh, Brock. Oh, yeah. It took me three emails to track down this person. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You're pretty uh, much our spotlight team, the spotlight of the Space Biff book space. That's, that's right. It's that easy. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, three emails. Yeah. Uh, okay. Some alternate titles. Uh, the first one, uh, Microsoft O-Face. Microsoft. Oh no! Oh, face. Uh, Might have needed to get some permissions for that title. Uh, the blue screen of bliss. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you're not far off. Uh, 
Excel spreadsheets indeed. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, um, another alternate title, Ruby on Rails. Am I right? Is this, is this one a sex joke or a drug reference? <laughs> exactly. Kind of both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, another of the alternate titles, Gun Humpers. <laughs> and in the book <laughs> right uh, and f- the final alternate title uh, Slave Boy from Meme Land and the Prescription Pirates that, was, that one was a, when it was aiming to be a YA title yeah yeah oh good good call yeah uh, so a, a wrong spoiler this book contains plenty of meaningful robo-boning uh, another wrong spoiler we're going to have a mature and nuanced discussion about Elias's proclivities <laughs> and and the final wrong spoiler uh, one thing we can all agree on the future means wet furniture <laughs> I'm looking forward to that Interesting. <laughs> slip and slide all the yeah. time yeah sounds like it will be very humid inside all the time. Yep. It's the, the ideal right. environment. <clears throat> Dan, I understand you've written a synopsis. Well, um, I also, I too, as well, contacted Annalie Newitz's <laughs> garbage man. Oh, incredible. Or woman. I, I hacked garbage Brock's person. emails. No, okay. <laughs> Now, what do you think a synopsis of such a thing would be called? Oh, I think I have a good guess uh, that maybe it would be called an autonomopsis. Very close, Brock. <laughs> okay. This is called The Synopsis of Autonomous by Annalie Newitz by Dan Thoreau. Oh, oh that, is, that was close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in the ocean is a submarine with a woman named Jack on it. Yeah. I can see that. I'm just painting a word picture. (laughs) (laughs) Realistic. Yeah. (laughs) On the news, a bunch of people are working themselves to death. This also happens in the book. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Except the people working themselves to death are happy because of a drug called Zaxby's. <laughs> like the <laughs> Zaxby's. <laughs> I'm glad I don't inhabit this dystopian nightmare where I might be happy working myself to death because misery is my God-given right. <laughs> Jack hears a clatter in the cargo hold. She goes in and finds a thief rummaging through the knockoff drug she pirates for a living. She's all action roll and throws the knife into the thief's face. Glad she announced it. Yeah, that's a dex check for sure. Yeah. That's a, yeah, she rolled nine <laughs> on, a, on a D10. It was, it was a high that, roll. Nice. Yeah, no, it's good. Somebody nearby whimpers. Turns out the thief had a slave. Pardon me, a contracted indentured individual. Mm. Yep. Or sure. CII. <laughs> the contracted indentured individual is all... 
Thank you for releasing me from my contract. Per the intellectual property laws of our century, I am now indentured to you. <laughs> Would you like a blowjob? <laughs> Jack is all, I'm a woman. The contracted indentured individual is all, ah, Colonel Angus then. Oh, <laughs> oh heavens. Jack is all, well, maybe, but what's in it for you? The contracted indentured individual is all, I intend to live journal the experience. <laughs> for a moment, Jack debates whether a contracted individu indentured individual can grant true consent considering the power differential inherent to the master-slave relationship and also the fact that they're on a submarine in the middle of the ocean and she just daggered this kid's previous owner. So he might not be like in the frame of mind to grant informed consent. Right. Just kidding. She doesn't think about that. She's all, guess we're going downtown kiddo. <laughs> all right. Continue. Far away in the deserts of central America, a robot named Paladin is going on his first mission with his handler, Elias, Elias Z. Elias, uh, uh, we'll just go with Elias. <laughs> Their mission is to track down a pi patent pirate named Jack, wanted in relation to a recent string of drug knockoffs, quality control failures, taking liberties with contracted indentured individuals, contacting old exes out of the blue, <laughs> unnecessarily tedious flashbacks about her college days, and the failure to secure her submarine's cargo hatch. <laughs> <laughs> That last one is only a class B moving violation. It doesn't warrant a stop on its own. But if her sure, submarine yeah. is pulled over for something else, the fine is not inconsiderable. <laughs> they really know a lot about her. Yeah, it's all in the text. Paladin follows Elias to a meeting with some well-known drug peddlers who often traffic in knockoff medicines. Paladin is brand spanking new, so he watches in awe as Elias pretends to be not Elias. Elias <laughs> is all, uh, um, yes, I used to work for Dunder Mifflin Johnson & Johnson, purveyor of the <laughs> finest no-tears baby shampoos and plantar oat scrubs. <laughs> he winks at Paladin, who feels a flutter of excitement at their shared moment. <laughs> for one trillion credits, I'll divulge the formula for my latest contribution to human progress, one of those face peels that pulls out all your blackheads and let you lets you look at them with disgust and fascination. <laughs> the drug peddlers are like, oh, yeah, we love that shit. We can't get enough of that shit. Everybody loves that shit. <laughs> How about $10? Elias is all, done. Make it 11 Done. <laughs> he winks at, at Paladin. <laughs> <laughs> to give the impression that Elias needs more money, he and Paladin go to the world's most expensive shooting range, where contracted indentured individuals are busy erecting watchtowers and puppy orphanages for demolition. <laughs> <laughs> Elias points to the nearest structure. He's all, hey, Pally, think you can destroy those? Paladin is all, of course I can. I am a military-grade slaughter bot with myriad features and wimp weapon implements. <laughs> Elias is all, all right, my man. How about you let me ride you, like, from behind, while you protrude your nipple gatlings and rip into that housing project, the contract teaser building. Fascinating. Paladin has heard of sexual contact between humans and robots. 
He settles down and lets Arias light right on his shoulders like a toddler, hands reaching down to grip his nip gatlings. <laughs> they rip into the building. It blows apart. Hundreds of contracted indentured individuals flee aflame. <laughs> Sometimes you don't read accurately. <laughs> According to Paladin sensors, Elias's solid propellant has been ignited in order to eject reaction mass to produce thrust. Interesting. <laughs> The next day, they return to the drug peddlers. Elias is all, look, I blew my money shot on my robot. I mean, I blew my money on my robot. Gosh. I need more cash. That's the point. The peddlers all, hmm, got any more of those pimple peelers, man? <laughs> Elias is all, nah, but I got something better. Even better. The formula for those weird tweezers pimple-popping YouTubers use to get out the pimple intact. <laughs> the peddlers can't believe their good fortune so they invite elias and paladin to their top secret clubhouse wow while there paladin pokes around with his sensors the entire place is inside a tree or something and it waters itself because global warming but apparently there are still digital things he can connect to after some poking around he finds the information they're looking for Jack has sold to these peddlers before, and she left her contact ID, zip code, P.O. box number, and subdermal tracking information in, key in case they need to re-up their order. <laughs> he and Elias shoot everybody. <laughs> Violently. Unfortunately, we return to Jack. <laughs> She's in the middle of a flashback about college and dating some guy whose activism wasn't as radical as the manifesto he used to get into her pants. <laughs> I flip forward a few pages until there's a space between paragraphs to signal that her flashback is over. <laughs> yeah. Now she's on her submarine having sex with contracted indentured individual. I flip forward to the next section. <laughs> Another flashback, this time about how she spent one month in prison and it really changed her. I flip forward again to a section about a meeting with a robot doctor who's slightly sassy and who promises to help her reverse engineer a cure to Zaxby's. I flip forward again, another flashback, dating the same dude, but he's kind of emotionally distant. I flip forward again. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Jack reaches the free lab of her ex-boyfriend, which is like a college campus that's funded by secret donors to produce drugs and other things without selling their patents to Pharmacorps. She's all, hey, boyfriend. <laughs> He's all, I'm in the middle of teaching a class. This is very unprofessional. <laughs> uh, students, this is a, uh, don't tell anybody or add her to your blogs. Put down that cell phone, Ryans. <laughs> okay, class dismissed. They stare at each other awkwardly with an undercurrent of horniness. Jack's contracted indentured individual folds his arms jealously while robot doctor just stands there and scans everybody without permission. I utter a quiet prayer that Jack and this scientist guy won't get back together. <laughs> Annalie Newitz answers my supplication by breaking the silence. Jack is all, okay, plot dump. I reverse engineered Zaxby's special pepper sauce, which makes people so happy to work that they work themselves to death. I sold one billion units of the stuff, and now there are people dying all over the place, and I need to engineer a cure. 
Also, most importantly, we have a classic case of B-plot overtaking the A-plot, if you know what I mean. So we need to do this science <laughs> pronto. <laughs> Ex-boyfriend is all, I've never known you to let yourself be overcome by a B-plot, Jack. <laughs> Seems like you're missing a step lately. Jack is all, right? I'm a pharma pirate. Like, how hard is it to make my life seem exciting? <laughs> Contracted indentured individual is all, I don't know, seems pretty easy to get you excited. <laughs> She's all, you know what? I'm setting you free for being annoying. He's all, wait, please no, but the paperwork has already been filed. <laughs> Meanwhile, Paladin and Elias are having globetrotting adventures and learning about human robot sex. <laughs> After torturing a college professor to death, Elias is very happy to learn that Paladin's brain is female. So they have some sex. <laughs> Later, after killing a human chauvinist who experiments on robots, they have an additional helping of sex. <laughs> In the end, their many murders don't matter because they find Jack at the free lab by reading her contracted indentured individual's live journal. <laughs> they go to confront her, but she isn't at the lab anymore. Instead, they face off against ex-boyfriend, robot doctor, and contracted indentured individual. Elias is all, tell us where Jack is and I'll make this painless. In response, Robot Doctor attacks Paladin and destroys her brain. Elias is all, no, and shuts down Robot Doctor with an EMP attack. I can't believe this is real. <laughs> <laughs> while con I'm riveted. <laughs> while contracted indentured individual flees, Elias drugs and tortures ex-boyfriend to death. Robot Doctor eventually wakes up with help from contracted indentured individual. <laughs> Elias and Paladin have already gone to kill Jack. Contracted indentured individual is all, well, guess that's one chapter of my life finished. Robot Doctor is all, no, we must save Jack with science. <laughs> At Jack's hideout, Paladin and Elias walk into an obvious ambush. Jack's all, action roll! <laughs> <laughs> She throws her knife into Paladin, which shuts him down, as knives are known to do to robots. It was a VMP knife, honey. <laughs> is that like a brand, like Cutco or something? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. She, yeah. she also butt stomps Elias from above, mm -hmm. which knocks him unconscious. It's like a classic Wario move. <laughs> she begins to tie them up, but Paladin wakes up and slugs her. Now he and Elias are standing over her with weapons drawn. How the turntables. <laughs> Elias is all, finish her off. Jack closes her eyes, resigned to be the B-plot after all. <laughs> when at that moment, robot doctor and contracted indentured individual attack them with paintball guns filled with stuff that shuts down Paladin and shreds Elias' secret agent tools. Nice. <laughs> nice. Why didn't any of the drug peddlers, professional mafiosos, or special ops thugs they've killed think to do that? <laughs> <laughs> because it pays to attend college, kids. <laughs> Because college is where powerful anti-robot weapons are lying around willy-nilly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like, taught a history class once, had a rack of anti-robot carbines just <laughs> right there. I took a racquetball class at a community college. Anti-robot weapons all over the place. <laughs> the racquetballs themselves were yep. chaff. <laughs> chaff fuzz. 
EMP balls. You're not wrong. In the end, Jack leaves to continue being the world's most boring pharma pirate. <laughs> Robot doctor and contracted indentured individual take over the free lab where they face no reprisals for taking out a slaughter bot and her lover. <laughs> Meanwhile, Elias and Paladin recover and decide to travel to outer space where they can live happily ever after. I turn to the discussion questions at the end of the book. One of them is all, Autonomous plays with the structure of the novel by moving between characters who might all serve as the story's protagonist. Between Jack, Elias, Paladin, ex-boyfriend, robot doctor, contracted indentured individual, and the thief who gets daggered in the face on page two, who do you feel is the protagonist of the novel? I vomit out the window. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fine work. Wow. Well done. That was quite the synopsis. What? Also kind of full of like wrong spoilers. No, it wasn't. (laughs) Everything I said was accurate. (laughs) Well. (laughs) Can you name one thing that wasn't accurate? She doesn't go back to being a pharma pirate right after she goes to like the rice paddies and works for a while. What? That's the difference. That's like the kind of, that gets rounded off in this. You just said to give me a sample. I gave you a sample. That's not a thing. <laughs> also, I don't even remember that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now it's my turn to do some bad takes. So let me open up my document here. All right. This is a four out of five stars from Amazon. It says, at first, I thought tech journalist Annalie Newitz was drawing me into another sex-crazed robot and submarine-based girl scientist thriller. But her story turned out to be rich with ideas on the ways the patent laws harm health. Hmm. And I feel like those two sentences should be kind of like switched because (laughs) it was another sex-crazed robot and submarine-based girl. (laughs) Also another? That's an interesting... Yeah. Is this a common you, genre? Uh, I, I, I actually got the feeling that it was. Like, there was another review that said another one where it's like a scientist, a, a submarine scientist. <laughs> wow. I guess Maybe, we kind I of mean, read a submarine book not that long ago, right? Yeah. Uh, like the otter aliens. The, uh, the otters? You mean like crab people? Yeah, the like dark blue sea, yeah, right? And they had the otters. Okay, but that was not like a submarine scientist and robot sex. I'm just saying we it was another submarine. I just Okay, submarine is not a subgenre. <laughs> I think if you go deep enough on Amazon, you know, you find any any genre your heart can imagine. Well, anyway, this review continues to say um saying that the book is mostly about big pharma and diseases and taking health away from the poor. And I just feel like that was not the main plot, although it was mentioned a lot. Oh, that's a pretty, pretty um, narrow reading, I think, of this book. Manages to explore the rights of self-aware robots and human rights, autonomy of action, sexual identity and activity. It seems that the future holds new dimensions of sexuality, which is finally all about the imagination. Hmm. So that's review number one that I was like, mm, interesting. So you, you don't think the future is all about imagination? <clears throat> New dimensions of sexuality. 
You don't think the future holds new dimensions of sexuality? Well, I think the only dimension of sexuality that I saw that was different was uh, a guy having a slave robot. (laughs) (laughs) So, Brock, what... I found that disturbing. (laughs) Because of the slavery or because of the robot? Both levels. (laughs) (laughs) Brock, what do you think this story is about? Could you encapsulate this story thematically in like a phrase? Oh, I doubt it, but <laughs> uh, this story is, no, I don't think I can. I, I, I don't what is it? You gave it a thumbs I up. Capture. I did. Um, and this is, this is the second time that I have read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that my opinion of it improved. Uh, mm maybe because I maybe just a little more familiarity um, and I appreciated a few more things about it. Uh, I I still think it has its absurdities, Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I thought there was some, uh, some interesting complexity in the, in, you know, Elias and Paladin's relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think Elias is, uh, you know, I, th- I think Paladin is, uh, by the end sort of deluding herself, uh, and, and so is Elias. And I, th- I thought that was an interesting thing to see, uh, about, uh, you know, the extent that, uh, uh, I, I mean, and, and we can kind of get into this if we're, if we're done with, with bad takes, we can jump right into a discussion or, uh, did you have I'll any other summer review? Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll hang he was on to that. On the book. He says he gave it four out of five stars. I loved this. It did for AI and patents and biotech. What neuromancer and snow crash did for the internet. The stuff I love the most is all the sp- is all spoilery, so I'll just say that there are two competing narrative characters who are at clear odds with each other, and each is the villain in the other's story. The thing that Annalie Newitz does so well, and she does everything well in this book, is to make each of these characters not only the hero of their own story, but to allow us to identify with them when they take control of the narrative. Each is flawed and tragic and heroic in their own way, and I can't recall the last time I read a book that handled the conflict so elegantly. I highly recommend Autonomous. I want to review Will Wheaton. And he gave it four out of five stars. He did. <laughs> Everything was done well. Yeah. It's it's the best in years, but four out of five stars. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know how easy it is to identify with a robot. Well, okay. It's not really about a robot, but. But when she's talking, <laughs> it says that we can, Will. <laughs> <laughs> well. How do we feel about this review? Okay. I think it's typical Will ter- Wheaton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if uh, if if fluvience, what what word am I am I trying to say? He's being uh, he's being overly. Uh, he's being ebullient. Ebullient. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah. It's a good word. I. <clears throat> It's like, so, okay, so a review is like you toss in a couple references to like groundbreaking genre fiction. Okay. I just want to 
touch on that. I did not find, okay. I was excited because when I read this and it has, you know, Will Wheaton and it has uh, like William Gibson and Neil Stevenson saying that this is to biotech and AI, what Neuromancer was to the internet. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that's going like, wow, I'm super excited to yeah. read that. And then right. there's the part of me that after I read it, I'm going, oh, you mean like a stilted weird story that doesn't quite get it. <laughs> <laughs> not not groundbreaking or. You didn't mean the groundbreaking part. You meant the like you read it because it was forward thinking, not because it was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I, I don't, haven't we read stories that are more biotechy and transhuman than this? Like our group? I know I have. I, what are you talking about? I'm not sure I have. Uh, what what example do you have that's, that's more well, so? So you think? I, I would offer like anything by Peter Watts is more transhuman by a lot. Okay. And, and kind, of, kind of in every sense of the word, both in the sense that there's, you know, expanding the realm of human capability and asking what it's like to have intelligence- truly intelligent machines that are still under some form of control and still asking if you have transhumans don't aren't the bad guys transhuman too and therefore it's just a new form of social control like all of those levels appear in everything peter watts has written and it's amped up way beyond anything in this book Mm. and so i didn't find it that groundbreaking like this is this is a this is a subgenre Mm-hmm. I, so, and this I, is not a great example of it. That's what you're saying, right? Right. That's yeah. exactly what I'm saying. And um, and so I, you know, all these people saying that this this book is super remarkable, and this is this is what biotech is going to be like, and pharma, and and then I read it, and I was like, I don't know. It felt kind of young adulty compared mm-hmm. to some of the stuff I've read. Now, I don't think it actually <laughs> is young adulty. I'm not accusing it. Also, I'm not using that as a pejorative. I just mean it's kind of a soft pedaled take. Yeah. On some of those things. Mm-hmm. Okay, Interesting. Last, yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, go did ahead, Did you Brock. want to say more? Nope. Oh, oh. Go ahead, Summer. Well, I was going to move on. Did you have anything more to say about that? No. Okay. Uh, no, let's... Uh, so, um, what I was, uh, I guess, kind of starting to say, um, and I think this is uh, an important an important point that is being made, um, but I'm not sure it's uh, being made well in this book is, you know, when, when we're reading about, uh, about Elias and Paladin and the way their relationship starts, Elias is very clearly resisting and uncomfortable with his feelings uh, until he, until he decides that, oh, Paladin is a woman Uh, And so now these feelings are okay. Um, And I thought it was a very interesting kind of uh, demonstration of just how, uh, you you know, a, uh, an an attitude, a very normative, you know, a better, a very hetero attitude was so ingrained in, uh, in Elias that it wasn't the attraction to a robot that he was really uncomfortable with. It seemed like 
it was just the idea that that robot had to be male. And that's the, you know, that's his, his, uh, sticking point. His hang up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I thought that was, I thought that was an interesting conflict to read. Um, I'm not sure what's, uh, what's really being addressed there because it does sort of come back around to a kind of, you know, not very progressive place, I guess, even though it's a human and robot relationship, the relationship is, is not really entered into until one of, you know, until it's also a male female relationship. So one of the things I was thinking about that is I agree with you. So I actually personally found the most interesting parts of the book to the, be the, uh, the questions of things like artificiality of relationships and gender. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, and also kind of the exploration of consent and what consent means. My issue with that is I think a little bit like you, Brock, I felt like it, <clears throat> it raises those issues and doesn't have much to actually say about them. Um, mm-hmm. Like it, it meant like, so early on um, between um, Jack and the whatever, three Z three Z um, like it raises the issue that, okay, so he's offering to have sex with her. Um, you know, so, but what's going on there? I mean, so we have somebody who's basically survived as an indentured person, basically through sex. Right. And so what, what's the appropriateness of this? Now I should, I should, I did, I should just claim two things really quickly. First of all, I, a book does not have to have likable protagonists who do good things for me to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and similarly, I don't need a book to espouse my own values for me to like it. Mm-hmm. Both of those are fine, right? Um, I can despise these characters and still enjoy it. There are plenty of books where I don't like the characters at a personal level and still love the book. And there's plenty of books where I disagree with the characters' actions and still like the book. So that's not the issue. Um, I'm just saying that because I know there's going to be someone who's being who's going to be like, you know, so you, you're too woke or, you know, whatever, whatever <laughs> the thing is. Um, but for me, it just sort of, it felt like this book was biting off a lot of mouthfuls and not chewing any of them. Well, yeah. So, so like in line with that, <clears throat> the one thing that I did not like at all about this relationship is that I didn't consider it a relationship at all. It was this man taking advantage of a robot And it's not like she didn't, she finds out that she has this programming that says, oh, you need to, that you're going to love your master. You're going to basically do things to please him. And this is your programming. And she finds this out and then she's like, well, okay, this is my life. And it's not, it's kind of like the same thing. It was, there was no consent. She's just like, all right, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to do it. So here, so I suspect, and I agree with you. So it's super uncomfortable, but here's where I think it, I think Newitz was trying to draw a connection. So we have this future that's moving along two parallel tracks, right? Both genetic um, kind of manufacturing and, and AI. So a mechanical electronic manufacturing. And I think it was drawing some sort of parallel to our own biological programming that at a certain level, um, you know, it, let's say that you, let's say you want a relationship. Um, are you going to fall into a relationship with the first person who shows you 
attention yeah. or affection. Like at what can we even have true consent when we have these enormous biological imperatives and those imperatives aren't only sexual, although they are, mm-hmm. but they're also just the desire to conform into a group. Um, I, I do not know anybody who I would believe if they told me that they had never compromised anything about themselves for approval. Right. I feel like that's everyone at some point has you've wanted to say something, but the group has a different opinion. So you shut up or you, you go along with things. And so I feel like it was kind of drawing this parallel between here's the programming of these machines. And is it really all that different from the programming that we have that 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 pushes us forward into things that might be abusive or dangerous um, in some way? The problem yeah. is, I think it was trying to do that. I just don't think it followed through. Does yeah. that make sense? And, and to me, that's a super exciting idea because that's something I worry about sometimes is, um, is, is how much will I have. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for instance, you know, there, there have been studies where, you know, they poke you in the brain with, a, with an electrode and you raise your arm and you th- and even though they made you do that, the way that your con- the way that consciousness works is you think you chose to do that, but you didn't. Right. They were able to zap you and make you take actions. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder about that kind of thing, and, and this manifests in all sorts of really interesting biological ways. Um, and so I kind of thought that that was the parallel it was going for, but I didn't feel like it followed through all that well. Yes, I think it just came off as creepy. <laughs> well, probably, so you liked this book better than I did and better than Summer did. It seems like maybe I'm in between you and Summer on the thumbs down scale. Sure. Um, so, so do you feel like it was trying to do something with that? Did you find it insightful or useful? I, I, yes. I, and I thought it was, uh, you know, at the very least thought provoking. Um, I, I think there were times where, uh, where it was, uh, it pr- approached success on sort of discussing some of these topics, but yeah, I think, I do think there were, uh, you know, there are more examples where it, the story sort of clumsily brings these topics up without ever really pondering them you know, or brings them up in ways that then uh, undo, undo any, uh, any insight or any message they might be uh, trying to convey. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe I, you know, I, I think I liked it more despite the clumsiness of it. Uh, You know, I liked it maybe more for what it was trying to do. Uh, and for the things it was trying to uh, to depict, mm-hmm. then f- completely for any sort of uh, su- outright success in those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Summer actually has one more bad take that is exactly along these lines. So why don't you read that? Oh, nice. Okay, this is someone, uh, I think this is from Goodreads, and they gave it two out of five stars. And here is their um, review. Man, hey, Bluebot, you're looking good. Bluebot notices man's erection. Bluebot, do you want to have sex? Man, no, I'm not gay. Bluebot researches humans on the internet. 
Bluebot replaces its blue carapace with a pink one. Man, you're pink? Why are you pink? Pinkbot, I decided this was me. Do you want to have sex? Man, yes! After sex. Man, did you enjoy that? Pinkbot, I enjoyed that you enjoyed it. Man, I knew you were a woman. <laughs> wow, that... You asked if I could sum up this book <laughs> thematically. <laughs> there it is. I think I think that reviewer got it. <laughs> I think that reviewer really got it. <laughs> All right, I'm done with bad takes. And I think <laughs> I I think almost the almost embarrassing thing is that it's not the novel is not much more complex than that, <laughs> right? And I. I and I think that, like you know, that is a clever review. I think that is is a very, uh, a very good sort of skewering of something that happens yeah. in this book that's it, not it, much, not much it different. It was the plot that became the more, the more forefront plot, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> Rather than the pharma and the drug manufacturing. I mean, it was still there. I, I liked the robot doctor that had been born autonomous. I liked her. Yeah, Med. Yes, Med. Yeah, that was her yeah name. I liked her. Um, I thought it was funny that 3Z was the downfall because he was like, I, I posted it online. Yeah, that's, <laughs> see, that's the, that's the kernel of truth in autonomous is that these meme kids are going to get us all killed. Ruin everything. <laughs> They're going to ruin everything. <laughs> You sound like you're just complaining about Zoomers. <laughs> uh, no, I'm cool and young, Dan. I mean, speaking of 3Z, though, the fact that it's revealed that his name doesn't contain a 3 and a Z, I was so annoyed with that because mm-hmm. it, it's 3-0, but they call him 3Z. Why not zero. three? Well, Z why, means zero. Yeah, but so but Z also means Z, right? Like in the UK yeah. and in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. I just that was that was obnoxious. <laughs> I didn't like it because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's it more commonly means the letter Z. Yeah. I like but, how we found Brock's problem with this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's a thumbs up all around. But let me get to my real my real issue. <laughs> Do we have any other discussion topics, Brock? Uh, so we've uh, we kind of talked uh, or maybe mentioned other uh, other sci-fi and futuristic books that we've read. Um, do we think that this vision of the future uh, is more or or less? Uh, you know, realistic than others that we've read, uh, you know, so compared to something like uh, Ancillary Justice or Memory of Empire, uh, they're not Ooh, those, uh, they're good examples. I feel like, but I feel like they're really different right. in scope. Right. Those, I mean, those are sci-fi opera, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're not trying to be hard sci-fi. This one is trying to be like, here's the world plus 100 years. Yeah. I'm always disappointed when people imagine the future is like full, like just completely full of just sex trade and slavery and stuff. 
like we're going to step back to that. Yeah, that's a, like it's going to get bummer. worse. Yeah. You know, I I, I'm always disappointed when I read a book like that. I think I think that, you know, with can't it, we be better? You're such a Star Trek optimist. <laughs> I suppose I am. Um, you know, I, I so again, I can't help but compare this to some of Peter Watts's futures. So one of the things I really liked that this world building did that Watts has also done in a couple of his books is this idea that because of global warming, um, kind of the, the habitable zone is farther north. Mm-hmm. Um, so in one of his series... Um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Maelstrom. What's it? Starfish. It starts with starfish. Um, Peter Watts does have this idea that basically the United States is um, merged with Canada, but Canada is more in charge (laughs) because the arable land is up there. Yeah. Um, So I, I really liked kind of this assumption that like Alaska and, the Yukon, you know, all these places, that's the place where you can grow, where you can have really habitable cities. And then you have places like Vegas, which are basically only able to thrive because they're just so crappy. (laughs) (laughs) They have heat shields and stuff. So I, I liked it. And I think that one of the reasons that it was able to pull off some degree of unsettlingness with me is because I did like, I, yeah, I found it compelling this idea that I think it's very natural for us to look at a situation like this. You know, more and more people know diabetics who struggle to pay for insulin. Mm -hmm. Uh, More and more people are feeling the pressure of predatory insurance and pharma corporations for even fairly basic drugs, including some that have existed for decades. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that rather than buying, being able to buy generics, those companies are packaging them almost as though they're new drugs so that they can sell them to you at premiums. Um, so my dad, for instance, is a surgeon and he talks about this a lot because he works in eye care where the population tends to be aging. Um, and so he'll he'll have situations where he wants to recommend certain drops that have been on the market forever. And it turns out they're being sold for a lot of money yeah, and there's no reason for that to be the case. And he will actually reach out to uh, companies that are now trying to do multiple drops together and it's much more affordable. And, but basically you need to have someone like that. Who's a doctor who's sympathetic and willing to work with you and work with a corporation yeah. in order to make things affordable. Well, yeah. And the silly thing is, is there's, um, in the eye care industry, there's medications that help with macular degeneration, and one dose is like fifteen hundred dollars, or like oh, that's gosh. the patient cost. And yeah. the medication itself is like three grand, you know, that the doctor has to purchase, and then for uh-huh. the patient's cost after insurance is ha- is like fifteen hundred dollars, and so they have to sign up for a program that that lets them pay a regular copay for this medication that they need to retain their eyesight. It's ridiculous. It's like okay, why don't, why do we have to have these extra programs that exist to make the medication cost less? Why doesn't the medication just cost that much in the first place? Right. I, that, yeah. I don't understand that. Yeah, you might have deduced that Summer also works in healthcare. Um, <laughs> yeah. Specifically I- eye care. <laughs> I mean, so all science fiction is really about right now, right? And, mm-hmm. and I yeah. think that one of the things that was piercing about this story is just looking at this stranglehold of pharmaceuticals over our lives 
because even ordinary people will often need, you're going to get sick. I mean, we just had a year long example where basically many of us have survived or at least ex- escaped, um, you know, serious complications because of knowledge and, and, and pharma. Yeah. And, and, you know, thank goodness for that pharma, but that doesn't mean that we want that pharma to be our overlord. Right. Well, so, and how many countries haven't even had access to the vaccine or enough vaccine to get them through this? They're, they're right. being overwhelmed. It's right. this, it is the same thing as what this story is talking about. Right. Like and countries so, that don't have right. access what, aren't getting it at when, all. Well, I think one of the things that this story is proposing, um, sort of like with the connection to our own genetic imperatives being the programming of robots, is just this idea of there being a caste system. And I think we are seeing that. I, I think that's being an analogy to now in the sense that let's say you're on Medicare because you need certain drugs. Mm-hmm. Well, you if you're a young person on Medicare, depending on how you're being managed, you cannot have more than $2,000 in your savings account. You're right. about Medicaid. Oh, Medicaid. Yeah, Medicaid. And so, and that's, so we end up in the United States. Right. And so we, we run into progr- problems where suddenly we're saying, well, so do you believe that there are not systemic issues that enforce poverty on people? Well, if somebody's on a program like that and they can't even amass enough wealth to try to get out of a rental situation, uh, they, can't, they certainly can't amass enough wealth for a down payment on an actual home. I mean, people are being forced into long-term poverty because of medicine. Yep. And yeah. so here we have a situation where here's the book that Newitz is where she's proposing. This is creating a cash system where people are effectively being forced to sell themselves as contracts to be able to move up in society. Aren't we kind of doing that now? Of course, it's not a sweeping societal thing. Uh, it's not everyone. And you're not selling yourself into a literal contract where you're a house cleaner. But sure. But I mean, that's what the science fiction is. It's an amplification of a current situation to draw attention to it. Yeah. Now, again, that's kind of one of my problems with the story is that it has these two very different ideas that I don't think fit. Uh, But I do think it's a perceptive and I think it's an important thing to be discussing right now. Right. Um, Yeah. What do you think, Brock? Uh, Yeah, I think think you're exactly right. I think, uh, you know, this is like, like a lot of good sci-fi, it's taking issues we, you know, that are important today and extrapolating them into, you know, extreme versions. Uh, you know, the, 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 uh, most vulnerable in our population, those are the people who get caught in these things like, uh, you know, like the, uh, the Medicaid limit of $2,000 or, um, you know, just the, the inescapable cycle of, of not having healthcare and then getting sick and, uh, your health insurance uh, and then getting sick and, you know, and wiping out your savings and, um, and just this awful situation that we are in because of corporate greed. Um, you know, and that's really amplified in, the, you know, the, the Zaxby's uh, medication, uh, <laughs> um, you know, that, that it is a, uh, 
you know, there's there's no surprise in the reader when we find out, no, this wasn't a bad batch. You know, she didn't do it wrong. She recreated the medicine exactly as they intended it because it, you know, because it was rooted in corporate greed and not in uh, human welfare. You know, she created exactly the medication they meant to create, you know, and it's having these terrible side effects and killing people. Yeah. Well, I mean, and this, this really wasn't like a medicine. It was a, or I guess an enhancer. Yeah. But, you know, but it was, it was meant for wide usage and uh, yeah. So, so I, I do think uh, in its scope, I think it does, it, uh, you know, I think it does have some good uh, speculation uh, in terms of our, our current day situations. There's nodding, there's nodding happening. <laughs> well, I did like that it showed kind of the, uh, the other side that this enforcer kind of just doesn't think all that hard about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and kind of his reasoning is like, this is this is simple and clear cut. I know who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. And at least it's not sex trafficking. And it's like, well, <laughs> right. yes, it's kind of like the folks who are like, well, there's there's stuff that's worse. So we shouldn't work on this. And he was yeah. kind of the embodiment of that. Just. And well, then he could retire and go to outer space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good job. Yeah, he could go up there with Papa Elon. Um <laughs> Hey, wait, what's the name of the actual? It's not Zaxby's. We have no affiliation. Zaxby. Zacuity. It's Zacuity. The drug is Zacuity, yeah. But actually, Zaxby's is sponsoring today's episode. They have said that I can have two pepper sauces when I go in next time instead of one. I think they don't give everyone two. No. Only me. If you pay the extra price. <laughs> All right. I, I that pepper sauce. Yeah. I, I, I don't do. know that, I, that I've ever I, had it, but. But then I found out that like they, you know, they have to put up like the uh, cal- caloric information and you look up and it's like, ah, for five chicken nuggets, it's like 9,000 calories. And you're like, oh my goodness, I could survive on a spaceship to Saturn on that. <laughs> And yet we eat again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. It's like when I made homemade winger sauce and it was like a cup of brown sugar and a third of a cup of hot sauce. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's Yummy. good. <laughs> so what other discussion points do you have for us, Brock? Uh, so my final, uh, my final discussion topic, uh, and this is something that, uh, that, came up in a flashback. Um, Why so I just, one of Jack's, uh, one of Jack's. Um, <laughs> okay. I just want to get your, uh, your thoughts on this. So when you read anti-capitalist literature, what part of your body fizzes with sexual desire? Uh, for Jack, it's the chest, but I'm more of a thigh guy. So I was just curious. Well, I'd have to go with the D. <laughs> oh, heavens. I'm a simple, straightforward. That's, that's direct. Whoa, straightforward. I just, eh? I just feel my sexual desire in the regular, typical <laughs> desire organ. 
if, if it's fizzing with sexual desire, maybe you should see a doctor. Well, <laughs> that's a prostate thing. <laughs> oh, summer is collapsing off out of camera. Her face fizzes with desire. Yeah. Yeah. I get all red in the cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's all I got. I'm glad we're finishing on that note. Yep. That's perfect timing. All right. Whose turn is it to choose the next book? Me. Is it? Yeah. Well, Dan, what do you choose for us to discuss next time? Okay. Well, I'm super excited for this pick. Um, and I'm super excited for you to both read it because I'm almost done with it. It is Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Ooh. Oh, nice. Um, so this is, of course, Andy Weir is the author of The Martian, which was... Awesome. Big. Much beloved, yeah. Yeah. And uh, was turned into a film starring uh, Matt Damon. Yes. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, Mark Watton. He is a little known friend of uh, Ben Affleck. And and, uh, this is his latest book. The second one, his second book was kind of poopy. Um, But this one, I'm really loving it. I'm almost done with it. Just a couple chapters uh, short of the end. And I, I think you will both enjoy it. So cool. Nice. I'm excited. I'm excited. He, his second book was slightly poopy. Did you read Artemis? I did. Can we talk oh, real quick about Artemis? Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Go ahead. Uh, in Artemis, there, there is a, uh, <laughs> there's Chekhov's condom. Do you remember this? No. <laughs> the, that one what? of the science, like one of the scientists or somebody on, on the moon has developed like a fancy reusable condom or something and gives it to the <laughs> protagonist. And I'm thinking, all right, that is going to come back. It's going to be the thing she uses to solve some space problem. And it's never mentioned again. And I was <laughs> so annoyed. Oh, no. <laughs> so unnecessarily annoyed that it just disappeared from the narrative. Interesting. So yeah. I didn't read it. <laughs> well, well, here I'll I'll synopsize it. Picture Ocean's Eleven, mm-hmm. except every character has the charisma of Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> the brash right. Philadelphia charisma. Interesting. Where it's just wow. kind of a little off-putting. <laughs> it's not a fun ensemble. Interesting. Yeah. That's right. Artemis. Okay. That's pretty good. It's a pretty good summary. <laughs> and there's a right. there's a condom that goes to waste. That's part. And of if it. and if there's anything we know about Brock, <laughs> it's that his his motto is no condom <laughs> shall go unused. Never, <laughs> never let it go to waste. Or or in that case, reused, right? Yes. It's yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a spunky episode of. <laughs> Book space. (laughs) Look, we're we're coming in under an hour, too. Holy cow. Very nice. Well, thanks for joining us for the whatever episode it was. Yeah, just this incredible. Holy cow, it was episode 20. Oh, boy. (gasps) I was going to buy you a cake. uh, Nice work, everyone. Bye. <laughs> All right, good night.
Thank you for joining us in the Space Biff book space. Our theme music is Day Trips by Ketza. Join us next month for another discussion. And in the meantime, you can email us at spacebiffbookspace at gmail.com.